right, glad you're with us. Yes, you made it. Happy Friday. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love to hear from you today. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. I have no idea what, if they're probably tapping into the moonshine that listeners have sent us because everybody's like all jovial inside the control room and it's been like that all day and I'm looking, is it somebody's birthday? I don't think I bought pizza for everybody today, but you got your usual lunch. Um, did something happen that I missed? What's going? What is going on in there? Did you tap? It's into Friday, the, my friend. Is that? It's just because it's Friday. It's the only reason everybody's giddy in there. I mean, I'm giddy every day. They, <laughs> that's my nickname. Oh no, you're not. You know, the best moment of the week, by the way, was when we had oh special master sergeant. Oh um, God, senior master sergeant. He's never going to let me live that down. That's correct. And he goes after you harder than anybody I've ever seen. Forget about it. And takes you down, which I loved. And you know what you did? You sucked it up. You well, he <laughs> and I off the air have have, the air. have quite an inappropriate back and forth. And oh my uh, god, it's it, it it's insane. If you want two people that sit around a table and drop an f f f f f f f a b c d e m g h i j k whatever it is. You know, I actually gave advice to somebody one time. This is a friend of mine. I'm like, do yourself a favor. If the if it, if the letter begins and you're mad with any letter in the alphabet and it's bad, get rid of it. <laughs> Don't ever use it because it's not going to end well for you. No matter what you think in the moment that you might be winning some type of debate of some kind, you, you're not. Um, all right. Well, if that's all it is. Okay. I'm fine with that. Uh, happy Friday. We do have a lot of news to get to today. Um, we now have learned an awful lot about Carter Page, who he is, that he worked for American intelligence, uh, the American intelligence community, meaning he was interviewed. He was on our side on a regular basis for such a long period of time, which then, you know, lends itself to the question, Wow. How did they use this guy to this extent? And it, it kind of now is becoming transparent and obvious with what the attorney general is doing and the deputy attorney general's letter to Nadler, Boyd's letter to Matt Nadler earlier this week, the expansion of what it is that Durham is doing and, and the information that he's now seeking. And he's going to talk to Christopher Steele, the, you know, save records request that went out to the CIA this week. By the way, Gina Haspel, the CIA director, you know, there's things, I know something about Gina Haspel that nobody else knows. And I'm never going to reveal it. I'll only tell you that after 9-11, she was an American hero. That's all I can say. And I, I learned it in the course of just doing normal investigative reporting and stuff. And it is beyond impressive and absolutely critical to America and and in the aftermath of 9-11, the search for bin Laden and all of these important things. Um, and it was interesting to watch that, you know, not, rightly, none of this stuff ever comes up. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that I got good intel on that. And, you know, there are a lot of people. That's why, I'm, you know, at times I tell you this is hard because we know that we need the best intelligence because of the evil in the world that we live in. You know, look at what's happening in the in the Gulf and the Straits of Hormuz and, you know, the saber rattling of Iran um, and these tankers that are hit. And 
you know, Secretary of State Pompeo's, yeah, the the Iranians did it. And, you know, the one miracle in all of that is you look at the Straits of Hormuz, it is it is so narrow, it is so key, it is so strategically pivotal, and it all goes to the question I talk so often about the lifeblood of America's economy being energy. And the fact that for the first time in 75 years, we are energy independent. We're now net exporters of energy. And the reason we haven't gotten to this point beforehand is because, like everything else that Donald Trump does, everybody was afraid to do it. I mean, you, you think of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. So many presidents promised yeah, they got talked out of it. They wouldn't do it. Too risky, too political. And then the recognition of the Golan Heights as Israel's too risky, too political. But what Iranian saber rattling has done, putting the Khashoggi issue aside, which is not a small deal. I don't think there's been anybody in media more critical of the Saudis and and countries like Saudi Arabia and and the way they treat women and gays and lesbians and they kill them that's that's they throw them off roofs stone them to death and you know rape marital rape is not a crime in some of these countries telling women how to dress women can't leave the house or the country without a a male's permission um not leaving the house without a male relative you know, good luck building a synagogue, good luck building a, a Christian church in some of these countries because Christians and Jews are persecuted as just a, a, a daily occurrence in some of these countries. And, and we've gone through them. And, you know, the remarkable thing is, is we've been dependent on Middle Eastern oil for way too long. And when you think of all of the benefits of being energy independent, It starts with we don't need, we have enough resources to be energy efficient and then some for hundreds of years, we're told, when you factor in natural gas, oil, coal, etc. And then you say, "Well, well, why? Those countries are so rich. You know, this is the insanity of socialism, communism, redistributionism, and statism in Venezuela. If the Venezuelan government weren't so corrupt, their leaders not so greedy, that if you use the resources which are so vast in Venezuela, ours much more vast, and you've got you, you could literally raise everybody out of poverty. Remember Jorge Ramos gotten arrested because he he was interviewing the president maduro at the time and literally showing him video of his own citizens digging out food from a garbage truck that shouldn't happen in a country that has the kind of wealth and resources of venezuela similarly you know if you i I always give out the biden obama economic failure statistics you know there's no reason to have to add 13 million americans to food stamps There's no reason that we had 8 million more Americans in poverty and the worst recovery since the 40s. I have pushed this issue of energy so hard because we don't need their oil. We don't need to bow at the altar of countries often that's often the case hate us. We 
not only can be energy independent, but and which would, you know, all of these potential jobs in the energy industry. Remember when we partnered with companies in Oklahoma, Texas and, and North Dakota. And I, I, it happened organically. I, I said on the air one day, you know, seeing what was happening in these places and the the oil boom that was happening in the Balkan, in particular in, in North Dakota, they're training people to be drivers. They teach you and you'll start at 80 grand a year and you get all the overtime you want. Now, I said, just happened to say, well, if I was at a dead end job paying me 40 grand a year, I could barely bake my rent. You know, I'm driving an old jalopy, which I've lived that life for many years, uh, buying one $200 truck, one $350 car, painting my own cars, doing the brakes, tune ups. And uh, yeah, and I would never, never trade that experience because I, it made it, 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 it really is ingrained in me and helped me to be who I am today. And so I just see this energy boom potential we have. Now, all of the rich wealth of, let's say, these Middle Eastern countries, that could be America. If we have government that's not corrupt, if the, if the free market dictates the job, the natural job creation, if we don't allow the environmental extremists, the climate change extremists, to put the regulations in place that devastate any opportunity to tap into these vast resources that we have, well, that then creates more dependence, again, on countries that hate us. And not only does it free us and and make us more free and more, you know, less entanglements in foreign conflicts, it, it literally then frees us from those entanglements if, so, if we so choose. I don't think you ever break the alliance that we have with the only democracy in the region, which, of course, is Israel. But then you look at the forgotten men and women that drove the 2016 election, and then all these higher-paying jobs come into play, millions of them in the energy sector, and we're not dependent on foreign oil. And then we could literally now compete with bad actors like Vladimir Putin and hostile regimes like Russia, which have aligned themselves with Iran, and then we could, but the standard of living, for, you know, you go from making 30, 40, 50 grand a year, and now you're making 100, 120 grand a year. Well, that means maybe you give up the apartment, you put your first down payment down for a house. Maybe that means you buy that new truck you've always been dreaming of instead of driving the old jalopy. Maybe you get to the better school district for your kids. Maybe, you know, in a few years, your kid's the right age, you suck it up, and you go down to Disney for a week. Well, trust me, you're going to hate it. Your kids will love it. And, and you have vacation time, that you, and, and you've accomplished something great in your life. And we have all of it. It's like we're sitting on a pile of gold, black gold, Texas tea, Beverly Hillbillies, and we don't use it. And how stupid could we be? And I'm listening to Bernie Sanders. It's like that socialist utopia that he's outlining, which has never worked. It has been tried. It has failed. You know, as, as the great pamphleteer Thomas Paine once said, government in its best state is but a necessary evil. Its worst state, an intolerable one. This, these are the American people's resources. Let us tap into it. Let us remain energy independent. 
let us bring these other countries, enemy countries, to their knees and let our Western European allies, our friends, not be dependent on hostile regimes and actors in the Middle East for the lifeblood of everybody's economy. And if some genius leftist comes up, you know, I had an inventor once I interviewed many years ago. He said, there's actually more energy that's in gravity that we don't see. We could tap into. All right, so find it. I'm not a scientist. And if you find it, you're going to be a multi-trillionaire. Good luck. Because you can transform. So, But in the meantime, we're dependent on oil, gas, and coal. You know, not the new Green Deal. And the standard of living of every American can go way up. How great is that? But, you know, there are people that just resist that. Why? Why would you resist it? Why would you not want every American free and prosperous on their own? They get to make their own choices. They, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, not guarantees. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You know, as I, I, I just watch, I just observe, I just see, you know, like the media freakout, which we talked about yesterday, which we predicted the night before on Hannity, on, you know, President Trump says, well, if somebody calls me, meaning I didn't solicit them, uh, I'll listen, what do they have to say? I don't even know if it's good or bad, and then if it's bad, I'm going to tell the FBI. Hypothetical. The same people freak out. Wow, Russia. He's not. Hysteria. Breathless reporting. Madness. Absolute madness. For the purpose of ginning up the conspiracy, the lying, and the hoax yet again. And it just, just like Mueller last week, it, it, it happens again and again and again. And this is who they are. This is not, you know, journalism is dead. It is buried. It is not even, a, it's, it's not ever about a search for truth. It doesn't matter that there was a candidate that did commit felonies, that did obstruct justice, that did have an intent, that did destroy evidence. They don't care. It's like they cared about Kavanaugh. So they said, believe, 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 but. You got a lieutenant governor because he's a Democrat. Nobody believes. And a compel- two compelling stories of rape and violent sexual assault. No, not, not a peep out of them. Obstruction. Well, you got real obstruction. Subpoenaed emails destroyed, etc. They don't care. They're just, it, it's like, wait a minute. Hold on. A hypothetical. Wait, Donald Trump just said, oh, my gosh, that he would listen If somebody called him, forget about the person that funneled the money to a law firm that hired the op research group, that hired the foreign national, that put together the Russian lies that were disseminated by the Obama-Biden intelligence community, leaked to the press to impact the 2016 elections, and worse, it's an unverifiable pack of lies, even according to the author of the dossier, who then they, they use it to spy on a guy we'll talk to later today, Carter Page, but to then backdoor and spy on the Trump campaign, Trump transition, Trump presidency. Selective moral outrage, agenda-driven media. Journalism's dead. Journalism's dead. 
All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Happy Friday. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, it is pretty fascinating. I still think, and I'd like the answer to the question, whether or not Trump knew exactly what he was saying to George Stephanopoulos, Mr. Clinton himself. I mean, you know, go watch the war room and, you know, the real George Stephanopoulos and the media will destroy you. Remember, we played that moment, one of his greater moments. And I know that, you know, he thinks he's the greatest person ever to ever get behind a mic. But, well, I don't know. Maybe, Jim, you want me to play it? All right. Linda wants to play it. Let's play it. What is names addresses? I can send you a fax with names, addresses, phone numbers of of who you had an affair with. It wouldn't make it true. It is completely if you went on the radio and said that Bill Clinton is uh, the father of an illegitimate black child, you would be laughed at. People would think you're crazy. I guarantee you that if you do this, you'll never work in democratic politics again. Maybe you don't want to. I'm not saying it matters. You will be embarrassed before the National Press Corps. People will think nobody will believe you. And people will think you're scummy. That the alternative is you don't do it it causes you some temporary pain with people who tomorrow aren't going to matter and you have a campaign that understands that in a difficult time you did something right um and you know that's important i mean it doesn't mean anything or we can't do anything for you specifically or anything like that but you uh you know that you did the right thing mm-hmm I mean, you know what I love about that? Right at the end, he goes, you know, it doesn't mean anything. We can't do anything for you. But five seconds before, he tells him that if yeah. he doesn't do it the way he wants, he's going to crush your skull. You're going to get your skull crushed. And then you're going to also, but if you do the right thing. You'll never work in this industry again. I'm like, all right, so I can't do anything for you, but no, I can no, but, destroy you. Well, but before he said that, but on the other hand, you're going to have a, pe- a bunch of people that will matter that are going to be in power. Not that we can do anything, but you're yeah, going right. to have friends in power. King of um, CYA there. Yeah, that's another. That's a lot of CYA. There's a big CYA in there, which is hilarious. Just like I don't want to play it, but when we George Stephanopoulos had never heard about Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorham taking notes, <laughs> at least he. Had but the to courage. his credit, he asked it. He, he asked did, the listen, question. He asked the question about Ayers and Dorham, and just the guy in the neighborhood, George, I just happened to start my career in his house. Um, you know, a lot of this. Is, is all going to come down to, I mean, sometimes you just got to cut through the clutter. And there's a lot of, you know, daily who's up, who's down, Joe, Joe Biden's up, and oh, all of a sudden Elizabeth Warren's up, oh, Beto Bozo, Robert Francis is down, and, and so on and so on. Who's going to be the nominee and the debates? I, I, I can tell you most people I know don't care. But most people are watching Donald Trump every week. They are watching the Democrats now try and try and ignite yet a fifth investigation and also watch that they're not doing a thing for the American people, that their sole obsession is rage and and hate against the president. Yeah. Who let's see the best job economy we've had since 1969. The best. If it's Biden. okay. Even Democrats are afraid of Biden winning because he's he's a walking disaster and no energy, no new ideas. And he's part of a record that put 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million in poverty, doubled the national debt, 
Worst recovery since the 40s. Lowest home ownership rate. Jobs. J-O-B-S. Jobs. Yeah, jobs. Well, all these Americans suffered, and now you got, let's see, the best economy since 69, job market since 1969, record low unemployment, African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, and youth unemployment. You just, let's start comparing. Okay, so now... While they dropped $150 billion on a tarmac for rush for uh, Iranian mullahs, now Iran's in a pretty sticky situation because I believe Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State, when he says the Iranians did this. But we're now in a position where we don't really, we only get involved to the extent we're going to want to get involved. Now, if Iran starts to go nuclear... And we have compelling evidence that shows such. Now, Rand's got a huge landmass. This is not a difficult, this is, this is going to be a difficult operation. But there might come a time because we see something that, w- that never was possible that has emerged in the Middle East, where the United States always, the, the friendship with Israel, the, the relationship with Israel has never been this strong. And I've always said that. Prime Minister Netanyahu, a Churchillian figure who's had the moral clarity out of out of pure necessity that he must have this strength, the Iron Dome, the strongest, toughest military, they're the tiniest country, the size of New Jersey, to beat back forces, enemies surrounding them on all sides, Lebanon and in Gaza and you know, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Muslim Brotherhood. But something interesting has happened. Well, the Morsi, the former head of the Muslim Brotherhood, wants to, you know, that Obama supported with billions of dollars in tanks and and military craft. Um, yeah, that guy once referred to Jews as descendants of apes and pigs. That's who Obama helped. Well, now we have General al-Sisi, and General al-Sisi's in power. Then King Abdullah in Jordan, he's recognizing the real threat of Iranian hegemony and the Saudis have recognized it and have a natural uh, uh, conflict, Sunni versus Shia, with Iran. And so that exists. The proxy war against Yemen has been totally and completely and utterly in Iranian hands. And we've known it just like proxy wars, like they killed Americans in Iraq and and how they've been fomenting terror around the world. We know that. And there's a reason Vladimir Putin, the hostile actor that he is, is supporting them and trying to align with them. But you think of this opportunity, it's like threading a needle where the United States, Israel, the Jordanians, the Egyptians, the Saudis, the Emirates all have aligned in a way that nobody ever saw coming or possible, which means there's a greater possibility of peace in the region than we've ever had. And if it if it comes down to it and the Iranians are stupid Except, again, we're not as impacted. You can thank Donald Trump that we are not as impacted at what is going to be happening potentially in the Straits of Hormuz as we once were because we're energy independent. That's that's how important this all is. But it won't stop America's involvement because when you marry radical Islamic terrorists with nuclear weapons, um, you would even think that Putin... The hostile actor, he would see the wisdom in that. And Putin has also now experienced the wrath of Trump with the harshest sanctions any president in modern history has shown Russia. 
oh, well, I thought he, we thought he was still dependent on Putin. No. I just, I, you know, just like the tape, I'm not going to play, but, you know, I just love Adam Schiff saying, and what is the, na- what is the nature of the compromise? Pick to the negative Trump. Negative pick to Trump. Yeah. And is Putin, does Putin see it? Oh, of course, Putin see the negative pick to Donald Trump. They can pick the The dope is literally, you know, doing what everyone said. They were so outraged when Trump said to Stephanopoulos, if someone calls, I'll listen. If it's bad, I'll tell the FBI. Hypothetical. And it's just such a bunch of hypocrites. But, you know, whoever the candidate is, I have no idea. Most of them are beholden to this left-wing, sick, twisted New Green Deal or some version of it, which would take America's energy, the lifeblood, and eliminate it in 10 years, oil and gas. And meanwhile, immediately we go back to being dependent, which would be dumb. You know, you you think of the power that America has because of all the natural resources and all the, you know, foreign policy decisions that it, it alters every equation in our favor. Because then people will rely on us. We won't rely on them. Events there won't matter as much to us. You know, the free flow of oil at market prices impacts everybody. Won't impact us if we really need to dig down deep and start moving quickly to have more production of energy and maybe to help one day our Western European allies or other allies and friends. And, you know, but they don't get it. But where will the... Where will the uh, with a Democratic nominee, where is that person going to come down on energy independence? They, 99.9% certainty they're going to go back to bureaucracy, endless regulation, taxation, and destruction of energy independence, the lifeblood of our economy. How stupid would that be? And with it, the, the millions of jobs for Americans, high-paying career jobs that will literally lift Like the tide comes in, the standard of living of every single American that will get a job in that industry. Millions of those jobs. And, you know, secondarily, it gives us the freedom to pick and to choose such things. But where do Democrats stand up? We know where they stand on open borders. The walls are immoral. Let's tear down the walls we have. Open borders. Amnesty. And the 70% tax rates, marginal tax rates for individuals, 90% marginal tax rates for corporations. Add to that wealth tax. Add to that, oh, Medicare for all, no more choices in health care. Okay, Biden, where do you stand on the border? Biden, do you think that Obamacare, keep your doctor plan and save money, did it work out that way? Mr. Biden, do you support Medicare for all? Do you support people having the choice of an independent health care system? Um, and that's just the start. And where do you stand on taxation? Well, we know Biden. We know where he stands. You know, Amazon actually took him on, pointed out they paid two point whatever six billion dollars in taxes. And they're like, and we pay every single tax that is there, but we take every deduction we can. Everybody seems to think your tax businesses, your tax corporations, and you're doing yourself a good thing because they get all these breaks that we don't get. Well, I hate to tell you this, any corporation that's taxed, they're, gonna, they're not going to cut back on their profit margin. They're going to pass it on to you, the consumer. We pay the tax. 
just like we pay the income tax, just like we pay the state tax if you live in a high-tax state. Why is California, Illinois, New York, New York, New Jersey, why are they all losing population? Because they're driving people away. You know, Rush made a good point that we, we picked up yesterday and played on TV. You know, why is it that you've got this incredible social crisis emerging in all these liberal big cities. Now, we've sent Lawrence Jones, our Hannity correspondent, out to San Francisco twice, and we sent him to L.A. also. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi's district twice, feces on the streets, almost everywhere. When you have needles and um, blood-stained clothing in the streets, that can't be safe for anyone. I do see, like, a lot of needles and then, you know, feces everywhere. And then that's obviously about drugs and stuff like that. Um, kind of makes it a drab when you walk around, you see needles and close to a playground and just feces everywhere. I mean, the smell of it all. It's kind of... You definitely have this to look on a, the when you're walking. This is a mile from Nancy Pelosi's home in her little enclave-gated community. And a mile away from our office. But what's the rest of the agenda? Everything's free. Bernie Sanders, everything's free. School's free. Guaranteed retirement, job, vacation, guaranteed Medicare for who's going to pay for it? We're all going to put the money in a pot. It's never worked before, but we'll try it again. Um, you know, then what else? They want open borders. Okay. They want higher taxes. Okay. You know, go through the list. They're all the same. The version of the Green New Deal, energy dependence, that's what they want. That's what they'll vote for. That's what they'll do. Let's see. Democrats, according to Time.com, they're going to hold hearings on the feasibility of reparations next week. Democrats have on this. I'll tell you, they have set themselves a trap. There was a good piece in the New York Post about this. All of them, including Biden, the so-called moderate $1.7 billion you know, five extra billion dollars. And by the way, who's done more for criminal justice reform because of disparity in sentencing for minorities than Donald Trump? Look at what Kim Kardashian yesterday, the White House, you know, and who's who wants these, you know, during birth abortions? It's Democrats for crying out. I mean, this isn't even about abortion. It's infanticide. Got a Denver council member wins by the promise to impose communism by any means necessary. Okay, how are they going to deal? Tell me how that's going to connect with the American people. There's a certain appeal when government says they're going to take away all your problems. I just have one word, Obamacare. Three promises, keep your doctor, your plan, save money. None of it happened. So they all race to the left. They can't even make their way back to the Senate. There is no center for them. And what Trump has accomplished is going to mean something. That's why the polls mean nothing. And I, I, by the way, Joe Manchin, considering leaving the Senate before the time is up, according to a report. But, you know, Democrats will focus on what they do. They'll characterize Republicans as they always racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, dirty air, water, kill grandma and, and hate kids. Not true, but that's what they'll do. Um, I don't have a crystal ball, but I, I I do know history. Peace and prosperity drive elections. Are you better off than you were four years ago will matter. You know, it's it's all on the line here. This election means something. Elections, yeah, they mean things. 
you have anything that you regret? And what do you think the chances are that in that investigation, they find that people at the top, whether it was you or somebody else, let's say somebody else, not you, uh, did things that they should not have done or did them in a way they should not have done them? What do you think the chances that comes up? I'd be very surprised to hear about anything like that emanating from the decisions that were made or the actions that were taken within the FBI. I'm very familiar with those actions and those decisions. I wouldn't make any of the decisions I made any differently. Um, and I know that we've been down this road before. We've been under investigation about uh, the events of the, uh, of the Russian uh, investigation and, of course, the Clinton email investigation since January of 2017. And so far, the efforts of the IG and others who've looked into it have found repeatedly no indication of bias, no indication of improper considerations uh, in any of the decisions we made. So I'd be surprised to hear anything different coming from this investigation. Does the argument that, yeah, okay, you shouldn't uh, have Russians giving you anything and you shouldn't have been uh, paying Russians for information to amass a dossier the way Clinton did. Do you see these as analogs? Not at all, Chris. There's no equivalence between those two examples. Um, to say, to openly invite foreign intelligence officers, representatives from a hostile foreign government to to steal information to acquire opposition research in any way, in any illegal way that they might do that and to present it to you is one thing. To For a campaign to hire a law firm, an American law firm, who then turns around and hires an American research company who then contracts out with a foreign individual, that is not illegal. Campaigns are allowed to hire uh, right. individuals, foreign individuals, uh, and to pay those individuals for the services that they provide. It is a phenomenal new development, the things that we have learned here. Uh, number one, that Carter Page, and he was, in the beginning, reluctant to even tell us on this program, and I've talked about it with him, that he had been consulted, that he had worked for, in other words, that he was invested in helping our FBI our CIA, our State Department for years based on his work and his traveling and cooperated pretty much forever. There's an article in National Review Online that says Carter Page is Mr. Clean. How many political players could survive such uh, like a colonoscopy and scrutiny? However implausible it may seem, there was a time when Carter Page was treated like a dangerous character so much so that special counsel Mueller specifically tasked with investigating the one-time foreign policy advisor to candidate Donald Trump. After naming the special counsel, the acting attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, penned two secret memor memoranda detailing Mueller's powers and focus. And he told them he had been authorized since his appointment to investigate allegations that three Trump campaign officials, Carter Page, Paul Manafort, George Papadopoulos, quote, committed a crime or crimes by colluding with Russian government officials with respect to the Russian government's efforts to interfere with the 2016 presidential election. Page was not just tagged with an explicit target of Mueller's probe. He was the first on the list. Given what happened to Manafort and Papadopoulos, might, one might have expected Page to be, you know, wearing the new black. And yet, not only is he a free man, Mueller never even managed to get him on an overdue parking ticket. Carter Page, I bet reading that probably makes you feel better than maybe the first time that I interviewed you. Sean, you are one of the 
uh, very few, the first who really broke the story. You know, when every all of the uh, that those same individuals that you're alluding to, both in the FBI and these DNC consultants, were just spreading lies in the media. You were really on the front lines exposing the truth. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, being willing to. Uh, realize months uh, months before the uh, the Mueller people ever owned well, up to it. I'm going to be very honest happened. with you. I, I asked you specifically very early on in the first interviews. I said, I was straight with you because I didn't know the answer, to be very honest. And I said, because you worked in Russia, what, you were at one period of time, weren't you there for like three years? Yes. Yep. I lived there and, uh, right. and I, I've been going there. So my first time there was in uh, in the end of the Soviet era. And uh, as a Naval Academy midshipman, I was there in the summer of 1991. So I've been back and forth throughout my life. All right. And, and the thing is, I remember asking you, well, has our government ever asked you to help them? And I caught the hesitancy in your voice. And then I got the answer. Yeah, I Yeah. I would often sit with them when I came home and either lunch or dinner. And then I started asking more specific questions. And there was a certain level of discomfort. Tell me where I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, correct me in your answers. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this guy works for us. That was my initial. And I asked you and you ducked my question. Do you remember the day I called you out for ducking my question? I think you dug, you called me out a few times, Sean. But let me let me give and a, I wasn't uh, being mean I, about I, it. I, let me let me be clear. I was not no. trying to be mean. I'm trying to get to the truth because I, very quickly I was figuring out. Holy crap! He's on our team. He's helping our guys. He's meeting with our guys. He's being debriefed by our guys. Our guys apparently like him because they keep meeting with him. Absolutely. Well, you know, Sean, there was a. Uh, Back, you know, another person you knew very well, President George H.W. Bush, you know, a uh, another Navy veteran, another person who worked in the oil business, another person in the investment world. You know, similarly, throughout his entire life, he never um, he was asked some similar questions about being a uh, you know supporter of the CIA back in the 1960s, and he never fully. Uh, um, you know, disclose that just out of the out of the basis of trying to protect operations, right? And that's you know, he was always very disciplined, you know. But unfortunately, the reason why I have to be more forthcoming about uh, confidential matters like that is the fact that you know a lot of those same people you're talking about within the FBI and these DNC consultants were leaking um, all sorts of lies to the to the media, and which then led to abusive process in uh, a U.S. federal court. So it's just really sad. But so that's that's part of the reason why I was was there, it was it hard there, for you knowing that you would meet with CIA people and you'd meet with FBI people and you'd meet with State Department people and uh, NSA people that and, and you would spend as much time as they required and you'd answer every question. And and obviously you built up a relationship with them. <clears throat> Some of which I doubt you would disclose today, if I'm not mistaken. Is that a true statement? I think that's that's fair. Yes, yes, okay. sure, for sure. And and they knew you to be a friendly. They knew you to be an American patriot. They were you gave them the things that they were looking for. Can you say that? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that you loved your country and that you looked at it as an honor to be able to help in anything that they wanted. Yeah, Sean, and I think similar to what you always say about law enforcement, I enjoyed working and, you know, having an ongoing dialogue with the great men and women uh, on, the, on the ground, boots on the ground in terms of the, the agents in both uh, CIA and FBI that I, I had a relationship with over the years. So it's unfortunate, uh, but that's, you know, on the on the working level, I think there's some of the best people I've ever dealt with in my life. Well, I mean... I really do. And I got to tell you, and I've said this publicly, that some of this some of this work has been hard for me in as much as, you know, I grew up in a law enforcement family. I had so many people in my family that were cops. You know, imagine my mom in prison working 16 hour shifts. I can't even tell you how many times uh, as a prison guard and my dad family court uh, probation and. Uh, two two members of uh, my family, my my grandfather's brother's sons, made it to the FBI, and they that was deity in this family. That was the highest of the high. It was like the the pinnacle of all success. Um, I'm really honored that through the process of doing my show, I've been able to reconnect with one of them. And but you know, it's hard because I I just my mind is I know 99% of cops are good. I know 99% of FBI agents are patriotic. I know that we need these powerful tools of intelligence and to hear that a few abuse that power and having to, you know, work through to get to the truth to reveal the danger of of targeting the American people with weapons of intelligence, not exactly my favorite chore in life. To be I'm being very blunt here. But it has to be done or else we lose the republic. We lose the Constitution. We, le- we lose the principles of equal justice and equal application of laws. That's how serious I view it. No question, Sean. And I, I, I've always felt the same way. And I think, you know, the, the same uh, concern that you have and the same uh, bad feeling about what happened, you know, any, any damage that was done to me, you know, I compare that to the the institutional damage that the politicians and the Democrats did in trying to corrupt and use these instruments of huge, you know, massive power to destroy President uh, President Trump and previously candidate Trump, going back to 2016. But, you know, but think so, of your position yeah. in all of this, Carter. Uh, Stefan Halper, you're the, he spied directly on you, then a FISA warrant, you are the target. That's your civil liberties, and your you became the back door to spying on the Trump campaign, the Trump transition team, and then the Trump presidency. That's a uh, that's pretty interesting position to be put in in life. And Robert Mueller interviewed you once. You never heard from him again, did you? No, and you know, and that, that's the sad part about it. I think you know his gang of angry Democrats that grilled me throughout throughout the day one Friday a full day of interrogation in, in the same courthouse. Oh, by the way, that's where it's located, the, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, where some of their colleagues, you know, led this fraud operation in 2016 and earlier in 2017. It's just really sad the way uh, it all played out. And the fact, similarly, in, in his fraudulent uh, report, which, you know, gives half the story, they didn't really uh, give any uh, accurate court submissions uh, back in the Comey, McCabe, Sally Yates era at the, uh, not to mention Mr. Rosenstein during the 
FISA abuse months. Now that you see what the attorney general is doing, what John Durham is doing, I mean, we had the news this week that the CIA will be interviewed. There's been record-saving requests that have been put in. Uh, We see the serious nature of it. Christopher Steele now is going to be interviewed by Durham. Uh, We now know that it was an unverifiable dossier that he doesn't believe in himself when he was pushed in an interrogatory in Great Britain, but that was apparently the bulk of information used to spy on you for a year of your life. Did you, you know, what point did you figure out Stefan Halper is spying on you? What point did you figure out, holy crap, they're spying on me every and on every single thing I do? Well, you know, I, I was really, I had my back up against the wall, Sean. And although I maintained a positive relationship with a lot of members of the Trump movement and the people I got to know earlier in 2016, you know, I basically had to go underground and have, you know, all the conversations. There were very few people that wanted to talk to me when all these, uh, the DNC's consultants and their law firms are working to, you know, spread this these lies to illegally influence the election in the final weeks before. So, you know, he was one, Mr. Halper, uh, Professor Halper is one of the few people that would uh, be openly willing to talk with me. So um, I'm hoping, you know, FBI Did you say things, let me ask anything. you this question. Did you say yeah. exculpatory things to him that you know they didn't pay attention to? Sean, it's, it's all exculpatory. You know, I, so, and that's, we don't know where the wrongdoing occurred because they haven't said anything yet. You know, Stay right there. I'm gonna, I want to pick it yeah. up there. The document accuses you of being a, quote, agent of a foreign power. Were you? Jake, this is so ridiculous. It's just beyond words. You know, it's uh, you're talking about misleading the courts. It's just so, so misleading going through those 400 plus page documents. You know, where do you even begin? It's literally a complete joke and it only continues. It's just really sad. All right. As we continue with uh, Carter Page, I, I, I asked you this question. Stefan Helper is spying on you, Papadopoulos and Sam Clovis. When did you figure that out? When did you figure the government spying on you? And how much of what they were hearing, reading, seeing, and you were saying in a helper was exculpatory? You said everything. I've never done anything wrong, Sean. Not only in those, uh, you know, 360 days that they were spying on the Trump campaign and myself. But, you know, and I, I mentioned the first time I went to Russia was in 1991, and I've never done anything uh, illegal or unethical there. So, you know, it, it's all exculpatory. But, you know, there's there's lots of rumors. Um, but, you know, as you alluded to, we'll have to wait and see until uh, the truth is now starting to come out with uh, Attorney General Barr and Mr. Durham. So. All right. I just want to thank you. You know, Carter Page. Every American deserves the presumption of innocence, due process, and it's amazing how over time the issue about you has evolved. Um, it's troubling, beyond troubling, scary that it can happen to an American and you could be used as a conduit to spy on a campaign, a transition team, and a president. Pretty frightening. Carter Page, thank hey, you. Thanks for, thanks for helping to get the truth out there, Sean. It's been invaluable. It's a lifesaver, literally. Well, I just want to get to the truth. That's all we're looking for. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Andy Biggs, yeah, why was Mr. Worse Than Watergate, John Dean, even brought in by Nadler and his uh, committee? And the great one, Mark Levin, and your calls all coming up on this Friday edition, Sean Hannity Show. 
he, he thrives on insulting people in situations. So this was typical Trump. Both men, Nixon and Trump, are authoritarian personalities, uh, much more so with Trump. And Nixon happened to be a better actor. He kept his authoritarian personality in private, in check, on his tapes. Uh, Mr. Trump has put it right out there for voters, uh, many of whom seem to be uh, attracted to it and want to follow it. So, I, you know, I, I must say that uh, uh, Donald Trump, if he ever were given the reins of power, uh, we'd have a whole different system. Uh, and so this is, these are very authoritarian-style presidencies. Uh, and, and we're watching what authoritarians do. They fire people. Uh, they don't want to have anybody disagree with them. Uh, the parallels are pretty scary for me uh, as somebody who's been there. If I had to channel a little of Richard Nixon, I think he'd tell this president he's going too far. This is the sort of stuff of a banana republic. This is what an autocrat does. The last time I appeared before your committee was July 11, 1974, during the impeachment inquiry of Richard Nixon. In many ways, the Mueller report is to President Trump what the so-called Watergate Roadmap, officially titled The Grand Jury Report and Recommendation Concerning Transmission of Evidence to the House of Representatives, was to President Richard Nixon. Stated a little differently, Special Counsel Mueller has provided this committee with a roadmap. All right, there he is, Mr. Worse Than Watergate, Howard Dean. Uh, no, no, Howard. Worse Than Watergate, John Dean. <laughs> this guy has made his living doing this. This is all he ever says. Now, we know based on the tapes, he lied 19 times. We know he's a convict. We know he obstructed justice. And yet he, he fits in so perfectly with fake news, CNN. And well, what does he offer in terms of being a fact witness in, in any of this? Nothing. Zero. Why then was he called? Because uh, they just want to keep it alive. That's basically it. And actually, Andy Biggs, the great congressman from the great state of Arizona, Freedom Caucus member, uh, he's also staunch supporter supporting our borders. He actually said about this that his testimony stunt would be comical if it wasn't so desperate. Um, this He said it about Bush. He's saying it about Trump. Nobody looks at 19 lies, obstruction of justice. He's made a living now off of this. Uh, Andy Biggs, welcome back. Thanks, Sean. Good to be with you. Yeah, John you wrote a Dean good column about it. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, he's he's the worst, Sean. I mean, and and Jerry Nadler bringing in everybody. He brought in three pundits to come in and testify about about what they don't know anything. And uh, John Dean particularly was pernicious because he's incredible as a witness. That when I say incredible, I mean he's not believable. He's not truthful. He's biased. He's as you said, you're exactly right. It's a cottage industry for him to try to rehabilitate himself and tell everybody they're worse than Watergate. No, I mean, hey, listen. I mean, if you can make a living doing that for 40-plus years, maybe you should be applauded. Um, it was pretty funny on a little bit of a side note today. Um, you know, every once in a while I have to do – and Linda can back us up on this, which is really funny. But – so, Linda, how many times, because I know TV tells me they've been getting calls, please, uh, J Jim Acosta's got some garbage book he's trying to sell, and he wants to do it on your show. 
And so he writes about it today because he's trying to get our attention. And maybe I shouldn't have done it, but I responded with a headline from Mediaite where he says he saw me and Tucker in in Helsinki. I don't remember seeing him in Helsinki (laughs) and he's mad we didn't approach him. But I just tweeted him back. I said, you know, it's true. Fake news. Acosta's reps have been begging to do the number one show on cable news and be on 618 of America's top talk radio stations. I said, sorry, Jimmy, I won't subject my audience to conspiracy theory fake news. Go hawk that garbage on the lowest rated cable channel that you work for. Hashtag fake news Acosta. I mean, why would I ever subject people to more of this garbage, considering that's what you get 99% in the media? This you know is what I'm most are. offended by? What? And How I'm many sure times that... did you get called about this, by the way? Well, I blocked his number, so I don't worry about that anymore. <laughs> um, but all that to say, and I'm sure the congressman would agree with me, you know, no. the first thing that you do in, in the art of the deal is you're polite, right? So right. we go to Finland, and next to us at the next table is an entire table of CNN um, employees. Oh, right. I, this is when I took everybody out for that big dinner. And you where... paid, you paid for their stuff and their wine, and you were so gracious. And they all, you know, Jeff Zeleny and uh, who else was there? I can't even remember. You know what? I remember buying them drinks. I did do that. You're yes, right. You did. I did do that. And you I went, went over, over and, and you talked to them. I recognized them, and I said hello. You said, how's everybody person. doing? How's your trip going? Isn't this history in the making and blah, blah, blah. Well, you, and, have a, uh, you know what? You have a memory like an elephant. That's I really know. embarrassing. I forget this. <laughs> I'm going to hold him to it, Congressman Biggs, for when he forgets that uh, raise he promised. <laughs> yeah, me. right. Oh, yeah, right. You just basically tell everybody. You That's know? right. I'm like, listen. But in all seriousness, I mean, they they were so quick to say, uh, oh, yeah, we'll take your free drinks. Again, the whole, you know, fake news, everything is free. That's why they love Bernie Sanders. But, I mean, they could not handle that you had, you know, the ability to get up and say hello despite having, you know, different political ideologies, you know. And I think what Acosta is forgetting here is that he wasn't very nice for a very long time. So why would we allow him to sell Did fake news? Did you see him? Because you, you would remember. I don't remember. Do you remember seeing him? Because I do not. I saw him. I saw him and John Berman, Zeleny, the other girl who does the White House hits from the lawn. I don't know her name. I, I mean, when I see people, I tend to be nice to them. I mean, um, I, yeah, you know, when you're look, not texting and you're looking up as opposed to texting and walking, which you shouldn't do. Yeah, you see yeah. people. You're right. Exactly. All right. Let me go back to, you know, we can have um, I do think this is important, though. We've had four conclusions now, Congressman, four. We've had the nine-month FBI investigation. Struck said it independently. No, they're there. Lisa Page said it. We found nothing. She said it in closed-door testimony. Then we had the House Intel Committee look into this for an exhaustive period of time. All the witnesses they brought, there's no evidence. Same with the bipartisan Senate Committee. No evidence. Now the Mueller report could, could not be any more clear. And that's what I thought was the beauty the other night when Trump said, well, if somebody calls me, I'll listen. And there's something wrong. I'll tell the FBI. Uh, So different than Hillary literally funneling money through a law firm as a law expense to hire an op research firm to hire a foreign national who does produce Russian lies that are disseminated to the American people, leaked by intelligence people to the Washington Post and Nizikov and the Clinton sycophant David Korn, and then used as the bulk of information 
to spy on the Trump campaign. And we now know an unverifiable document. Everybody was warned ahead of time by Bruce Orr, by Kathleen Kavlek, and they did it anyway. Now, tell me if you're angry at the fact that Trump said, if they call me, I'll listen. If they call me, you know, I, I, I guess I'll listen. If it's bad, I'll tell the FBI. How, how do you get outraged over that, but not over what really did happen with Hillary Clinton? Can you explain that to me? Well, yeah, there's this weird moral equivalence uh, from my friends on the left, and, and it goes like this. If we do something wrong, we're going to project it onto you and say you are evil incarnate, and we're never going to have self-introspection. And that's where they are. I mean, because this whole thing that has really ripped apart this country for more than two years now, that has really hindered the president. The president's done a great job. But imagine if he didn't have to fight constantly this investigation. It all started with working with Hillary Clinton and the DNC working with foreign operatives to uh, to cook up uh, an oppo research um, uh, uh, piece on, on Donald Trump. That's where it started. And now we come full circle, the, and he says casually, and by the way, I think he's just doing this to, 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 to point out the hypocrisy of the left. When he says, uh, you know, well, I'll, you know, I'd listen, but I, you know, I'd report it. The, the reality is they're hypocrites, and they project constantly. So whatever they're doing bad, they're going to think everybody else is doing bad. That's what my dad taught me years ago. And that's, that's just the way it is with these guys. Oh, I think so, too. All right, last question, because we have this crisis at the border. You grew up on the border. You represent that area. We're told it's worse than it's ever been. Uh, but yet the president won a pretty big legal side argument case that, yeah, he's emergency order and the the taking of funds that have been unused, that he has the right to reallocate them to protect the border. Now, there's legislation that allows the president to do this, number one, especially drug corridors, and number two, constitutionally, with all of the crime that has been associated with the open borders, um, I think as commander-in-chief, he has a right to do it. So it, how much of the wall do you see going up, being repaired, and are you confident now that, that we're going to get the protection we need to stop this? Well, I've seen I've seen evidence of, uh, well, I think it's 120 miles uh, of fence-up, and some of it's brand new, and others of it is they had vehicle barriers. By the way, Sean, nobody's coming over in a vehicle, and it stopped nobody, so they've replaced a lot of that with bollard fencing, this, this tall fencing. I think that we're on the way, and I think the president's deal with Mexico, uh, I mean, the, the Democrats just panned it, um, both before and after, and, you know, the threat worked. And you and, you and I both know, as soon as he said we we're going to impose tariffs, Mexico believed it. They would be hurt by it. They immediately responded. And so that deal is going to really, I, I think, get something done. And if it doesn't get something done, I think the president's really willing to take a hard line. And, uh, and and I know that he's sending help more health people because I saw him on the plane today, going down to southern Arizona to to uh, health vet some of the the uh, illegal aliens coming across. I I'm confident we're moving in the right direction finally. But the Democrats still won't even give us money for humanitarian aid, not even for humanitarian aid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but in the second term of Obama, the they, walls weren't immoral and didn't have to be taken down. Uh, Congressman, always good to talk to you. Andy Biggs, thank you, of Arizona, 800-941-SEAN. All right, let's hit the phones really quickly here. Mark is in North Carolina. Mark, hi, how are you? Happy Friday. Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. 
Hey, Sean, it's an honor to talk to you after all these years. I can say real quick, yesterday it was very touching to hear your interview with the uh, senior staff sergeant. I was really moved well, by wasn't that. Wasn't he, man? Special. By the way, he's the only person on earth could get away with saying what he said to Linda. It was great. I laughed all day yesterday. True or false, Linda? I mean, I do love DT, so I cannot tell why. Yeah, I, I, one time I just, you shush, and boy, if it was like for four weeks, you, you told me to shush. Trust I'm me, like, Mark oh. knows we never shush women. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't, I'm the most respectful. You even said in your speech I'm the most respectful person You are career. very respectful, but being a respectful person most of the time doesn't oh. mean you have moments of disrespect. I'm never disrespectful. Good grief, Shushing Mark, Shushing is disrespectful. I've never heard you be disrespectful personally, but... Oh, Mark, you suck up. No, the people that (laughs) suck up, Mark, are the people in the room. They're my employees. Go go ahead. Listen, as I'm talking to you, as I I look at some of the policies that Democrats are putting forth, you've got an open border and a post-9-11 era. They want to do universal health care, even though they don't want to get it for themselves. You got Kamala Harris, who's trying to give money, you know, thousands of dollars for anybody, even if they're not working. They want to raise taxes, do away with the combustible energy or the engine with the Green Deal. You know, just moving beyond politics and even Trump, these are policies that I look at it and they're just going to hurt, not only hurt millions of people, I really worry it's going to bring down the American culture. And I start one of the things I love about shows like yours is it gets me to ask why. Why are people doing things? And yet when I look at the whys to some of these policies, on the one hand, I can't believe they really believe that these policies are going to help America and not hurt it. But on the other hand, they must care about the country somewhere because they got into governing to begin with. And I have a hard time saying, do they just not care about the American You know, I, I can and only I answer your, 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 your asking an age-old question. And I can tell you that I do believe that some people are sincere. We'll we'll just, we'll spread everything equally and we'll be fair. I think they really believe that. But I am telling you, the power hungry people know exactly what they're doing. When they create dependency, it creates a power vacuum that only they can fill. There's a dark side of this and a nefarious side and history, you are correct has bore that out, and you see it clearly. Great call. I mean, from I'll tell you what, you do. I've seen a lot of things over my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI. In my whole life. I don't, you don't call the FBI. You throw somebody out of your office, you do whatever Al you Al Gore got a stolen briefing book, he called the FBI. Well, that's different, a stolen briefing book. This isn't a stolen, this is somebody that said, we have information on your opponent. Oh, let me call the FBI. Give me a break. Life doesn't the work The FBI director says that's what should happen. The FBI director is wrong. Your campaign this time around, if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on an opponent, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? I think maybe you do both. I think you might want to listen. I don't, there's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it. You want that kind of interference in our elections? It's not an interference. They have information. I think I'd take it. If I thought there was something wrong, I'd go maybe to the FBI. If I thought there was something wrong. 
But when somebody comes up with oppo research, right, they come up with oppo research. Oh, let's call the FBI. The FBI doesn't have enough agents to take care of it. But you go and talk honestly to congressmen. They all do it. They always have. And that's the way it is. It's called oppo research. If you answer these questions to me now, why not answer them to Robert Mueller under oath? Because they were looking to get us for lies, for slight misstatements. I looked at what happened to people, and it was very unfair. Very, very unfair. Very unfair. I gave them 1.5 million pages of documents, right? I gave them four or 500 witnesses. I let Don McGahn testify. I let him tell. He was the White House counsel. I let him tell. I knew he was going to testify. You didn't answer questions on obstruction. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I did answer questions. I answered them in writing. Not I don't know about this. I don't know. I answered a lot of questions. They gave me questions. I answered them in writing. Not an obstruction. Look, George, you're being a little wise guy, okay, which is, you know, typical for you, just so you understand. Very simple. It's very simple. There was no crime. There was no collusion. No crime, no collusion. Nobody will pay attention. He said, well, if somebody called me, I'd listen. If it was bad, I'd call the FBI. As I predicted before I heard a single person in this fake news media mob that we have out there, I predicted they'd go insane. And insane they went while ignoring, yes, real oppo research, paid for by a real campaign in a real election, funneled through a law firm, hiring an op research firm known for dirty tricks, then hiring a foreign national who gets Russian intelligence lies, purposeful disinformation that was then spread through the intelligence community to the American people vis-a-vis -vis leaks to the Washington Post and hacks like David Korn, who loved the Clintons, and Michael Lizakoff, and similarly unvetted, unverifiable, never corroborated the basis of four separate FISA warrant applications granted to spy on the Trump campaign, the Trump transition team, and the Trump presidency, all based on paid-for Russian lies. This is just a sampling, and then we'll get to the great one. The stark reality, the sad truth, is that we have a president of the United States who's not playing on America's team. This is a welcome mat. It is a come-hither, not just for the Russians, but for the Chinese, and not just for Donald Trump, but for every Republican running. Direct, irrefutable evidence on tape of criminal intent. <laughs> The message I got from the president's own words yesterday was it is open season on U.S. political figures in 2020. All right. Joining us now. This is now three weeks in running the number one book on the New York Times bestseller list. And by, if you haven't gotten it, it is worth every bit of of money time you're going to spend because you're going to learn more about the history of the media and the specific examples of conspiracy theories, a hoax and a fraud perpetrated like no other on we, the American people. I call him the great one for a reason. Mark Levin. It's called Unfreedom of the Press. Amazon.com, Hannity.com and bookstores everywhere. Great one. Thank me. How am I? Sean Hannity. Is this you? Hey, this is. Let me check. Hang on. Yes. yes Last exactly. time I checked, it's me. <laughs> you know, we used to do all these calls on each other's shows. I, I remember. miss you calling in. Now. 
Dr. Hannity, remember that? Uh, absolutely. That was a lot of fun. I remember us uh, double-teaming Alec Baldwin, too. That remember that? <laughs> no, that was great. By the way, Alec Baldwin's trying out to be a talk show host, walked off the... Walked off the audition tape because of Mark. It wasn't because of me. It was because Got mad of you. At me. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> um, but I'll uh, tell you, I, li- I listened to what you played. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm sitting here thinking as you play it all, how insane this all is. In other words, there's real news to be gotten out there, real information to share with the American people. Uh, much of it doesn't even have anything to do with the president of the United States. There's so many things going on in our communities and in the country and all over the world. And these people who live and socialize in and around Washington, D.C. and New York City have absolutely no connection with the rest of the country. They hang on every syllable. Uh, they, they spin what the president's saying. Everybody knows what the president said and exactly what the president meant. And as I said on your program last night, how stupid is this? Of course he has to look at and listen to what's going on, the information given if he did, in order to even know whether to turn it over to the FBI. And as you've pointed out, and I have too, and contrast that with Hillary Clinton and the DNC, which actually paid for information from the Russians. But I'm so sick of this stuff. The, the, the media are a joke. They push these narratives. One after, do you remember what the big issue was last weekend? It was the word nasty. Yeah, oh, no, it was a nasty princess, or, or did he mean nasty generally? And they drive the nation through the sludge. It's just incredible. And there's just no question that the modern mass media is not the same thing as a free press. A free press doesn't beat us down every day, every night with the propaganda and the pseudo-events. This, what Stephanopoulos did, was a pseudo-event. There was no news. Nothing happened. Nobody a hypothetical. No, anything. this is important, Mark. A hypothetical. Yeah, well, if, they, if someone called me, I'd listen. Uh, and if it was bad, I'd tell the FBI. That was it. And so this is news, you see. And day in and out, this is the news. They don't ask Nancy Pelosi, hey, let me ask you something, Nancy. If, uh, if the uh, Clinton campaign and the DNC washed money through a law firm and this, uh, this other organization to an ex-British spy to pay uh, and get information from uh, Russian operatives and intelligence officers, would that be wrong? She's never even been asked. You know who else hasn't? Hillary Clinton. You know who else hasn't? Barack Obama. They don't ask Democrats a single question. This past administration, the Russians interfered with our election. Well, it was on Obama's watch. Has Obama gotten one question about this in his entire life? No. And so they go up to Trump and hey, guess what? What? What little, what little George? Hey, uh, if if uh, if somebody gave you opposition research, it would just, it's like, why don't you shut up? And you know what else? He's the big ABC News star. And you know, you read my book. I get into all this stuff. You have so many Democrats oh. who are now so-called journalists and vice versa. It is beyond belief. He's number one. Listen to this guy, Don Lemon, <laughs> the IQ of a doorknob. And the guy goes on and on. We're not partisan. Are we Jim Acosta? And Jim Acosta, did you see that picture I sent you with his book signing? Yeah, he was the only one. He was signing books and nobody was there. No, but there were more pens than people. Nobody shut up (laughs) with me. I I sit for six hours, as you well know. Mark, I've been through it with you. You know, um, I got to say one thing. I said in in 07, I said journalism's dead. You were right. I really believed it then. And every day, when it's every second, every minute, every hour, every day, this is beyond 
just biased journalism here. This is an agenda. Their agenda for the last two plus years has been to destroy a duly elected president with lies, conspiracy theories. There's there is no fidelity to truth at all in the 99 percent here, Mark. There's no intellectual honesty. Well, you know, as I explained in the first chapter, they've abandoned the notion of objective truth. Now, it's it's not possible in every instance, okay, to be perfect in the in the pursuit of objective truth. But it's a damn good goal. And, and, and if you're imperfect at it, at least you're making an effort at it. Some people are better than others. This has been abandoned. It's quite obvious. Uh, and there's a new school of thought that's been pushed for the last several decades called public or community journalism, which is social activism, saw Linsky journalism. And this is being pushed now at NYU and other, other journalism schools. And, of course, if you're coming off the hill or handgun control link like Jake Tapper or you're coming out of the Obama White House, and you're doing those sort of, you know, instinctively, you know, attack conservatives, attack the president of the United States. This is a power thing. The media did not want Trump. The media wanted Hillary Clinton. They wanted a third term of Obama. Uh, they think they have all this power. The American people said no. And by the way, this issue, the president didn't win the popular vote. He only won the electoral cut. Let me tell you something. Nancy Pelosi won the popular vote in one congressional district. Uh, the media is never up for a vote. The president's gotten a hell of a lot more votes than Nancy Pelosi or the media have ever gotten. And if you don't count California, of course we do. And if you don't count California, the president would have won the popular vote, too. Uh, they, and, and so what, what do they do? They look at every reason and every way to degrade the president and to diminish his presidency. And, Sean, I'll tell you what. We used to pride ourselves on a peaceful transition of power. This has not been a peaceful transition of power. They reject the idea that Obama had to hand the keys to the White House to, to uh, Donald Trump. And they have been trying to grab those keys out of Donald Trump's hands since before he actually walked into the Oval Office. Absolutely appalling. The media have joined in with the police state tactics of the Obama administration. Uh, the idea that George Stephanopoulos never asks a Democrat a serious question about Russia or the rest. I'll tell you something else. It's also in the book. This president has done nothing to the press. And you know this. I have a whole chapter on this. They've, he's done nothing to the chap, press. John Adams, who I love, Sedition Act of 1798, he threw journalists in prison and shut down newspapers. Abraham Lincoln authorized the Secretary of War to do that. They shut down 300 or so papers and threw journalists in prison. Uh, the great um, uh, turn of the century, uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson, supposedly the great uh, progressive, uh, he had a new Sedition Act of uh, 1917, 1980, you know, the one that should have put Hillary Clinton in prison. That was his. Espionage and Act. Yep. The Espionage Act. And, let, uh, let me ask you yeah. this. And this history, by the way, this is what makes all your books so successful and great. You you, you always go deeper than, than the average person. This is your passion. This is, this is what you know, your knowledge. We're watching a new attorney general. We saw the deputy attorney general's letter to Jerry Nadler. We're watching John Durham is going to interview the likes of Christopher Steele. We know the CIA operatives, they've been told now that there are going to be records requests. Records are now required to be saved. And that means Brennan, Clapper, others are now going to have to answer important questions. Um, then you get into Hillary's rigged investigation. Can I stop you there for one and, second? And, yeah, last I, And then the FISA issue. But I want to stop you there one second. Yeah. There's another group you should question that he's not. Democrats on Capitol Hill. I believe they were, many of them were in on this. They should be questioning Nadler and Schiff and Warner, and some of these other Democrats who I, I honestly believe 
were in on these police state tactics early on, which is one of the reasons they do not want to hold hearings on this and do want inf- don't want information on this and are attacking Bob, uh, uh, Bill Barr. I believe many of them were in on this. I believe many of them knew about this dossier. I mean, how could they not? Hillary Clinton paid for it. The DNC paid for it. They've never been asked about it. But why would they keep it secret from other Democrats? Hey, Mark, Hill? Mark, we, we know now. It's, it's not even a question that the dossier was the basis for all of it. Um, okay, I have less Adrian. than a minute. I want to give yes, it sir. to you. Where do you see this headed? Do you believe there will be the, the people that abused power? Will they be held accountable? Will justice win the day? I think some will. Uh, but I think uh, we don't know the outcome, but we ought to pursue it. And I think that's the bottom line. I think we have an attorney general who's trying to do exactly that. And what's fascinating to me about this attorney general is he was always a quiet attorney general in his first round, you know, under uh, George H.W. Bush. Uh, but here, I think he has seen injustice and criminality. And he's quiet, but he's dogged. And I think he really wants to get to the bottom of this. Now, the question is whether the press will obstruct him whether the Democrats will obstruct him, and whether the bureaucrats of the Department of Justice will obstruct him. But he seems to know what he's doing because it's his second time around, and he's pressing ahead. So I think that's a very, very good thing. Great one. Mark Levin, uh, we will watch your Sunday program. Who do you got on Sunday night, 10 o'clock, Fox? I have Professor Marini, and you say, well, who's that? This guy is the top expert or one of them on the... We're just out of time. All right. Life, Liberty, Levin, 10 o'clock Sunday night, Fox News, number one show. Uh, Number one on the bestseller list, New York Times, three weeks in a row. Great Father's Day gift. It is called Unfreedom of the Press. Great one. Always love having you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Sean. God bless. God bless us. Thank me. God bless us. Quick break. Right back. I'll say it. No one else will say it. There, I said it. We'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Wow, so it takes so much to get here every week, doesn't it, Linda? Right? (laughs) I mean, don't we? Every week. No, we get here. All right, so it's the end of the week, and oh, our, our whole wait, we pull our heads like out of wherever we've been because we're all dug in so deep into the deep state and getting justice for the country because it's that important to us, and we love it and we're honored to do this every day. But you get to that point on a Friday, no, many of you are there with us, and it's like okay, whew, we made it. Weekend fun. Even if it's raining, I don't care. You know, I could be at the Del Coronado in the, the greatest hotel in the country. There could be construction going on. There could be bad weather, and I can still be happy. I think we should long- do the show from there next week. What do you think? I think we might. I think we might one Why day. don't we do that? Why but don't we I'll go out there happy. next week and do it? Um, you know, there's an amazing group of people Uh, We're going to maybe barbecue like we did Memorial Day, and we're going to have fun weekends, and... I got to tell you, you think just the sacrifice of so many on the battlefield, also brave men and women. We talk about law enforcement a lot. I've talked about, you know, sometimes even doing this deep state stuff, it just it hurts because I love law enforcement and I know these people. I grew up with these people, my whole family, and I know how hard it is and I know we're not safe as a country, but for our intel people, our FBI people, the greatest law enforcement agency in the history of mankind, and police officers that put their lives on the line for us every single solitary day. Amazing people. Um, There's a woman I'm introducing to you here. Her name is Rosemary Zor. She's seven years old. She lost her father, Robert, uh, Miami police officer, believe it or not, on Christmas Day 
1983. And Rosemary always wanted to do something to not only honor her hero father, but also to help other children all over the country that have lost loved ones in the line of duty. We, we don't talk a lot about these guys. You know, when we have these high-profile cases and there's the rush to judgment, like in Ferguson, uh, Darren Wilson didn't do what was said by so many in the fake news rush to judgment media. The Baltimore police, oh, they're all going to be found guilty. Not happening. Didn't in the Freddie Gray case. Cambridge police, another example. And we wait. We, we've talked a lot about how we're patient. We give due process, the presumption of innocence that they never give others. And anyway, that happened in the case of Rosemary's dad. And she joins us now because the legacy of her father inspired her to create what's called the, the Zora Foundation and the Fallen Officers Foundation. And uh, she joins us uh, on the program. We're honored to have her along with Jay McKinley Novacek, former American football tight end and NFL player who was played for St. Louis, the Phoenix Cardinals and Dallas Cowboys, five-time pro bowler, selected to play each year from 91 to 95, con inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Also with us, Fort Worth police officer Ralph Salazar is on board. And I, I just wanted, I read this and I wanted you to hear about it. And Rosemary, thank you for being with us. Seven years old, Christmas Day. I can't imagine what that would have been like for anybody. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you, Sean, for your time and for having us on. Um, yes, I was seven years old. It was Christmas Day. And um, I'm doing this. I have, um, you know, the Fallen Officers, which supports the Robert Elzor Foundation. This is to honor my dad's sacrifice. And to also honor other fallen officers' sacrifice and to remember their families. Well, I mean, I think it's amazing that you do this. And tell us how successful you've been so far. Um, very successful. Um, we have um, we are doing a blue bowl flag football tournament here in Fort Worth, Texas, tomorrow for Corporal Garrett um, Hall. And this is our first annual here in Texas. We've done one in Florida for um, Officer Adam Jobbers Miller who was killed in line of duty um, last year, and we will continue to do these across the country for any um, fallen officers' families that want us, and we will go wherever we are called upon to do this, and we also do other events as well um, within our foundation. Well, and let me ask you, I mean, as a former NFL player, Jay, you bring a lot of credibility to all of this. Tell us about the event, your participation, how you got involved, and, and why this is so important called the, the Blue Bowl. You know, I had never heard of it until just recently, and, and uh, we got to, uh, to talk and, and, and to, to hear and to see some of the things that we do all over the country and to understand that, you know, we've had friends that uh, – that died uh, the Dallas shooting a few years ago when seven officers were killed. Our our son was uh, uh, best friends with uh, a guy that was his godfather, the one of the officers that got killed. So we put on a, an event for that. And now we turn around and we not only do we get um, a, a charity event for the officers, but you throw a little football in with it also. And that's, uh, you know, that makes things. That makes life good, Sean. I, I know make, you throw the ball. I know you. I know you throw the ball around a little bit. I do. I, a little listen, bit of I, help I, with that one of these days, but you know, it just sounds so, so. Basically, you're honoring the sacrifice, remembering the families of the fallen officers. You know, we forget the job of police officers. They protect and serve, 
it seems like the media only wants to cover the the one percent of people that maybe are corrupt, like in the deep state. It's not the ninety nine percent. And you know, I know you're uniting the community and law and businesses and families and leaders have stepped up here. Um, and so, uh, tell us a little bit maybe about the day. Um, maybe you want to tell us, Jay or or Rosemary or or maybe Officer Salazar. You're from the Fort Worth area. Tell us about your involvement. Yes, that is correct. I'm. Uh, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, it's an honor to 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 be out here and talk to uh, talk to you, Sean. As you know, uh, been with the Fort Worth Police Department going on 18 years, and uh, two years prior to that uh, at another agency. So I've got 20 years uh, law enforcement experience, and uh, you know, uh, seeing these officers getting uh, murdered out here in, in the line of duty is, you know, it's a tragic. Uh, it's definitely a tragic event. Uh, you know, they do, they pay the ultimate sacrifice to keep everybody out here protected. And, you know, like you said, 99% of the people in America do understand that. It's that 1% that uh, try to keep everybody else down and try to, you know, keep the negativity between us and law enforcement. How many uh, years have you been on the job? I've been on the job 18 years with the Fort Worth Police Department. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's all. And how many years do you usually retire? In New York, it used to be 20. Now they're making yeah, these guys well, go 22 and a half. Then they're going to make it 25. And, you know, they. Well, uh, th- you know, it never ends. Uh, uh, Fort Worth, we have a policy. It's, it's 25 in and out. So I've got a uh, little right at seven years, and I'll be eligible for retirement at that point. Well, that's awesome. Uh, all right. So how many people. So tell us how the, the day goes on, Jay, because you're going to be a part of this here. But. So you can go to GarrettHull.com for more information, and I guess you call it the Garrett Hull uh, Blue uh, Bowl Co-Ed Football Tournament. Uh, and what position are you going to play? <laughs> I'm coaching. Yeah, no, I, I've done that too Well, much. You've, ta- you've taken enough hits in your life? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heck yes, man. What hey, the great thing is it, it's, it's a family event. You have kids that can be eight years old and up, and you have we have the co-ed. You have um, you know the teams that uh, are successful. They they get to go on. They get to have. Uh, um, what was my work? Yeah. Um, the team will be divided up into three um, into three fields, and it's basically a round robin. And it's um, it's just a single elimination until we get to the um, final championship, and who will win the first annual Garrett Hole um, co-ed flag football tournament. All right, so Rosemary, last question. Where could people go to yep. learn more? They can go to www.garretthall.com or they can go to www.thefallenofficers.com to learn more. All right, and this is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it all starts tomorrow, I guess, uh, pretty early in the day. And uh, we wish you all yep. the best, and we're thankful for what you're doing. And thank you, Sean, for having us on. We appreciate it. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. And uh, as always, you know, we make this promise. We're never going to stop. We're now on the precipice. There's no stopping this train anymore of this investigation of the investigators. It is now in full. The, the, the train is on the track. There's no stopping it. And where it ends, we don't know. But we won't stop until justice is served. Too much at stake for the country. We'll never be the destroy Trump media mob. Let not your heart be troubled. Have a great, great weekend. And we'll see you all back here on Monday. As always, thank you for being with us. 